have a, to be honest with you, I was telling my wife earlier in the day, I was here early this morning and began to pray over tonight's message. And uh, it has been a battle all day. I will be honest with you. Because preachers go through battles too. And this morning, I mean, the Lord met me here. But there was something else that wanted to hang around. and I, we, we did some fighting this morning. Uh, we did some fighting all day. We did some fighting even after work a little bit. But I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight. Okay, John chapter 11. The story of Lazarus. Many of you that have been raised in the house of the Lord will, will know this scripture very well. I'm, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip the first two verses. Um, it's just telling us that Lazarus was sick and that Jesus had been acquainted with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in the past and knew them and loved them. We're going to pick it up in verse 3 tonight. That's all right. It says, Therefore, his sisters... Lazarus' sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and, his sis and, and her sister and Lazarus, and when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again, or Judah again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Are you, are you going there again? Is what they're asking. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk, it, walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things he said... These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of a rest, in sleep. And Jesus, got to love Jesus here, straight to the point. Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto Him. Let us pray one more time tonight. God, we come before You. We thank You for Your presence. We thank You for who You are and what You've done and what You're going to do. 
And Lord, I ask that you open ears and hearts that we would receive and hear what you have for us. And God, I believe that your word will go forth and penetrate hearts and lives and change and transform us. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church says, Amen. Amen. So again, a portion of scripture that many of you have read probably many times and heard preached many different ways. But I want to preach to you on the title tonight, Revival is Not. Revival is Not. First of all, I, 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 I'll get to my text here in a second, but if I'm going to talk about how revival is not something, but we need to know what revival is. What is revival? Revival is conviction. It is repentance. Revival is when the people of God turn back to God in a more intimate way than ever before. And when the church gets on fire and gets revived in their hearts and in their spirits, uh, you'll find through history that it begins to spread to the community, to the outer parts of the community, into the fields uh, and into the farms. And then eventually, if revival continues, it will spread to the nation and the nations. The day of Pentecost is a prime example of revival spreading to the nations. Revival, again, begins with repentance. It, re begin, it begins with conviction. And really, all in, in all, it begins with us as individuals. Revival is something that can be experienced as an individual, but can spread to a corporate body. So that is what revival is. Revival is heaven meeting earth. It's as if Jacob's ladder, and, and you see the angels descending and ascending. It's, it's like an open airway to heaven, to the presence of God. It is something that, that happens and it just takes over the service. It's when the Holy Spirit just has free reign to do what He does best, and that is to show up and to show off, as my mom used to say. So we know what revival is, but I want to tell you, I've heard many things in the season that we're in. I know that this nation is in a very tumultuous time. I know there are a lot of political things going on. There are a lot of political things that don't make sense. We've heard men and women of God speak prophecies and, and, and I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that God is still using the men and women of God to speak prophetically to the people of God. But I, I want you to know tonight that I know what revival is uh, and I, I, seek, I, search, I seek for it, uh, I pray for it, uh, but I want you to know tonight there is something that revival is not uh, and revival is not political. Revival is not connected to Donald J. Trump. It's definitely not connected to Joe, Uncle Biden, whatever you want to call him tonight, uh, Sleepy Joe. I, I don't care what you want to call him tonight, but it's not connected to a political figure. It's not connected to a political party. It's not connected to a, uh, it's not connected to a program, a policy, or agenda. It is connected from the people of God to the throne room of God 
So something revival is not, it is not political. We find through history, the day of Pentecost even, we just experienced Jesus. Jesus was sent to the cross by politicians and religious people that wanted to be politicians. Jesus was sent to his death by a political hierarchy, by a political man, Pontius Pilate, said, I'll give the decree. I'll give the decree. He was reluctant, but he said, I'll do it. Do you realize that the day of Pentecost happened under a Roman-occupied time, under Roman rule? There was a time in Romans in the Roman Empire where there were 7 million Christians, and Rome killed 2 million Christians in a few hundred years. They almost took out a third of the Christian population. And you say, oh, that sounds terrible. That sounds awful. But I want you to know that revival had nothing to do with what was going on in the palace of Rome, in the streets of Rome, in the Senate of Rome. It had everything to do with the people of God seeking His face, coming before Him holy and separated. It had everything to do with God's people. I want you to know as you go into the reformation of the church, there was a time it was illegal for you to have your own Bible. That the only men that could preach the Word of God were the priests of the Catholic Church in Europe. There began to be a reformation through Martin Luther, through William Tyndale, through John Huss, and they began to translate the Word of God in their own language. They began to give it to the common man, John Huss, in, in the Czech Republic that, that is known today as the Czech Republic. He translated the Bible and he was burned at the stake. He was burned at the stake because he had revival in his heart as he laid there, as he stood there tied up and burning. He began to sing praises to God. He sung praises to God till the life went out of him. You say, why are you telling me this? Because politicians are the opposition. Policies are the opposition to revival. Politics would love nothing more than to silence the church. That's why out west they don't want them to sing. They don't want them to shout. They don't want them to get together. Why? As pastor preached on Sunday morning, because if the enemy can shut you up, he knows he can bind you up. If the enemy can shut your mouth, he has the victory. Why? Because there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And who a man as a man thinks he is, so he is. So we see here that the Bible tells us that we, we, we read this chapter before that Lazarus is going to be revived, that he's going to come forth. But I want you to catch something with me tonight. Jesus, at the beginning of our chapter, the backstory to this is Jesus was about to be stoned in Judah and in Jerusalem. He had to flee from the politicians. They wanted him dead. They wanted him out of the way. They wanted him gone. And he tells the disciples two days after hearing that Lazarus was sick, he says, now we're going back to Judah. You say, what does that have to do with anything, Pastor Jade? Because 
because the enemy, the enemy has threatened the church. The enemy has come against the church and say, how about you don't come back into the house of God anymore? How about you don't praise and worship anymore? How about you don't do what God is calling you to do anymore? How about you just shut up and sit down and let us run this nation the way we think it should be run? We, we want you to just be quiet. But Jesus told them, we're going back to Judah. What does that Judah mean? It means praise. He said, we're going back to praise. We're going back to where we were. We're going back to the house of God. We're going back to being a separated people. We're going back to the altar. We're going back to prayer. We're going back to supplication. We're going back to where we can meet God again. The enemy may have its threatenings and say awful things, but I want you to know and be encouraged tonight that Jesus told Peter, I've given you the keys. Peter represents the church. He said, I've given you the keys and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So Jesus says, we're going back to Judah. We're going back to praise. They said, they just sought to stone you. He said, I don't care. We're going. We're going. And church, there's a remnant rising up in this hour that is saying to the political system of this world, we're going back. We're going back. We know, we've heard of what revival is. But we know now, revival is not political. The politicians wanted to shut Jesus up, but he said, no, I'm going back. I'm going back. So as we go through this text here, we find that Jesus says to his disciples, he says, our friend Lazarus in verse 11, he sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. There have been many that have tried to proclaim in our political arena. Many have tried to proclaim that the church is dead, that God had no say or no control over what has happened in our nation and around the world. That God was no part of anything positive to do with the coronavirus or anything negative. They, they've tried to eliminate God out of the equation. And with their lockdowns and shutdowns, they've tried to eliminate the people of God from the equation. And Jesus said, I'm not only going back to praise, I'm not only going back to Judah, but I'm, I, I'm going back to awaken someone I love. Lazarus' name in the Hebrew means God has helped. There's a church that God is longing to help and to awaken again. But we must go back to praise. We must go back to prayer. We must not be afraid of what the enemy is trying to put on our children's lives, what he's trying to put on your lives. I know you're tired, I know you're weary. I know it's been hard, 2020 has been difficult for many, but what better year to see the glory of God? What better year to experience revival? Because I tell you now more than ever, I have realized in my personal life, 
revival is not attached to the candidate I love or I like. It's attached to the God I love and the God I serve. It doesn't matter who sits in the White House. All that matters is that God's still sitting in His house. So we see that revival is not political. They said, Jesus, we're going to stone you. We don't want you back here. But He says, no, I'm going back to Judah and I'm going to awaken. I'm going to awaken my servants. I'm going to awaken my servants. But here's where I want to get to tonight. I know many, many probably like me, and Pastor, after Tuesday, November 3rd, I haven't watched an ounce, an ounce of news. I, I'm just being honest. I mean, like I'm done with y'all. Okay? I was I was mad, I was grumpy because I, I stayed up I stayed up to like two in the morning hoping that my guy would win. Okay. And at two in the morning I was like, Well, I'm gonna go to bed. He's leading here, there, and everywhere, and and decided to get a few hours of sleep before I got up and went to work. And I went up to work just to find out that I stayed up for no reason. And I don't know about you, but that, that upset me a little bit. I just wasted four or five hours of my precious sleep. But more than that, I was just done. I, I was done. And, and I began to, to talk to people, people of God. And I know people of God have questions. There's been many prophecies. And, and this thing ain't over until God says it's over, right? We believe that. But I will tell you, I have not, in my entire life, there's been so much buzz about this election. And I know it's a big deal, and I believe that we should participate in, in, in the democratic process and vote. I, I believe that is our right as citizens, and we should want a godly nation as Christians. Uh, but, but I, I mean, the, I, I watched as Christian people began to have these meltdowns like it's all over. It's all over. It's over. It, 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 it's never going to be the same, and and it's never going to it's never going to work out the way they thought it would, and and they never thought that this would happen, and they can't believe that this would happen. And there was such this tumultuous time, and, and we're still in it, and there's there's this tension in the air. You're, you, I mean, at work, you're afraid to say anything, and and people comment, and customers will comment to you, say think you're afraid to say anything back. I mean, there's just a weird political season that we're in and, and really what's sad is it has crept into the church and, and many people in the church are saying well it's over it's over we don't know what we're going to do and Jesus says this after he plainly comes out in verse 14 it says Lazarus is dead in verse 15 he says something that seems, young people, it seems very rude. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm glad 
that I was not there. Let me, let me just break this down to as the Lord gave it to me. I'm glad that you're in the season and the time that you're in. You're like, well, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't feel good. I, I don't like the season I'm in. Just because you don't like the season doesn't mean that you have to lose sight of the purpose. Just because you don't like the season doesn't mean the call of God has changed on your life. I'm sure the children of Israel didn't like wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, but there came time that a generation rose up and said, everybody else has been, been murmuring and complaining about the wilderness for 40 years, but we've been raised looking at the promise. We've been raised with a purpose. They may have not liked the season they were in, but it was good for them to be there. You say, why is it good for me to be here? Why is it good? Young people, I feel this in my heart tonight for you especially. Why is it good for me to be here? I feel like I have been tossed to and fro. I have been thrown every way. I, I don't have a schedule. Who has a schedule anymore? Why do we have calendars? Why, 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 why am I going through this? I don't feel like God's talking to me. I don't understand what God's doing in my life. I don't understand why I pray and I feel nothing. I don't understand why I worship and I feel nothing. I don't understand why I read God's word and I don't feel him speaking to me anymore. And God says, it is good for you to be here. It is good for you to be here. He said, I was glad for your sakes that I was not there to heal Lazarus, to raise you up. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he say he was glad for our sakes that he was not there? Read verse 15 with me. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Pastor Jade, I feel like I'm at rock bottom, you say. I'm glad for you to be here is what God says. What? I feel like I, I'm just so weighed down with the cares of this life. I feel weighty. I feel many, I, I've talked to many people in this house. I've talked to many people, uh, uh, family and friends. They said, I'm just tired. I feel so tired. I'm the, I feel tired. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. But the Lord began to deal with me. It is good for you to be here. Why? He said, so that you may believe. What he's saying is, it is good for you to be in the situation and the time and the season that we're in as a nation and as a church because all that's left is faith. All that's left is for you to believe the impossible. You don't see a way out. You don't understand. You, you, you really don't know what God's up to. He says, that's right where I want you because now you have to put your faith in me. That's all that's left. They say, well, the election went this way, but nothing's been decided yet. Have faith. Well, well, if, 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 if the candidate I don't like gets in, then our hopes of revival is not. No, we're here. And you better be glad that you're here because all that's left is faith. Now we have no choice but to have revival. 
Have you seen the divide in our nation? We have no choice but to get a hold of God. It is good for you to be here. It is good for you to feel nothing, but you still go on. It is good for you to feel the burdens weighing down on you, but you keep going. It is good for you to praise when you don't feel like it. It is good for you to worship when you don't have goosebumps. It is good for you to go to the altar even when you feel no conviction. It is good for you to read God's word even when you feel like he's not speaking back to you. Why? Because you're operating in faith, not feeling. It's more than how you feel. You're saying, God, I trust you. Trust is faith. I trust you. Why? I don't, you're not speaking back to me in your word, but I'm still going to read your word. Why? Because I trust your word. Ava's getting this. He said, it is good for you to be here. Why? Because all that's left is faith. Revival's not political. It's not policies. It's not programs. Revival is believing that God is who He says He is. Revival is believing and taking His Word to heart and saying, if I got nothing else, I got the Word of God. Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days. The Bible says after 40 days He hungered. I'd be hungry after 12 hours, two hours probably. It says 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. Afterward, he was hungry or he hungered. And the enemy came and said, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. How about you command these stones to become bread? How about you, 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 you cast yourself off of this temple mount? How about you bow and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of this world? And Jesus had nothing but the but the Word of God says, but the Word of God says, the Word of God says, and, and I've preached this before, How, what, so, so often we think the wildernesses that we go through in our spiritual lives are there to tear us down when they're actually there to develop you. Maybe the wildernesses come and the deserts come to make us hungry. Maybe the times when you don't understand, just like the disciples, when he's saying, it is good for you to be here. It is good that I did not go to him and heal him. Why? So you may believe, maybe it's good for you to be in this season because all you have is faith. All you have is prayer. Listen, the church, the remnant church, the church of Jesus Christ is not weak. Because the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that the prayers of a righteous man or woman, they availeth much. This isn't over by a long shot. Revival is not based on a political party or political policy. It's based in faith. Jesus shows up. We know the story. Lazarus has been dead four days. Mary and Martha come out to him. And they do exactly what we would do. If you would have been here. If you would have been here, Jesus. God, I had a terrible day yesterday and I didn't feel you at all. If you would have been there, it would have been better. Even though he said, I'm with you always. 
Listen, just, just because the teacher's quiet doesn't, doesn't mean that they're absent from the room. You might just be taking a test. Well, God, I, I went through this issue with my family. I didn't feel you. I didn't feel like you were there. Mary and Martha, come to you. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? And Jesus tells them. He says, listen. My brother, you, he'll rise again. She said, oh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection. He said, no. He said, listen to me. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, many people in the church world have thought that Donald J. Trump is the resurrection and the life. There are many people in the house of God that have thought that Joe Biden, listen, whether we like it or not, there are people of God that will vote to kill babies, that will vote to uphold same-sex marriage, that will vote uh, uh, and promote uh, transgenderism and, and will promote uh, destroying the nucleus family as pastor preached Sunday. I, I'm not trying to play repeat, but there are people that thought that Joe Biden was the resurrection and the life. And Jesus said, what you really need, what he's telling them is you say, oh, well, well it'll happen. It, it didn't happen when I wanted to, so maybe it'll happen at a later date. And he said, what you need is me. You don't need the policies and you don't need the politicians. What you need is me. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. You get a hold of me. I'm the revival. I'm the resurrection you need. I'm the strength you need, young person. I'm the hope you need, young person. I'm the strength you need, parent, to, to homeschool your children. Amen? He said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. He said in verse 26, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked her a question. Believeth thou this? Do you believe it? Do you have faith? Do you believe that revival is still possible? Young person, do you believe that even though the school schedule may be messed up right now, that you can still turn that, that, that schoolhouse back to God? Do you believe that you can pray with your teachers? Do you believe, adults, uh, that you'll lead that co-worker that's got the worst mouth and the worst attitude? Do you believe that God can still turn their life around? Do you believe uh, that when you felt like your spiritual life was barren and in despair, that God can still birth some fruit uh, and some life into your life? Do you believe this? Do you believe this, he says. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God. goes on, verse 39, and he says, where have you laid him? Or verse 34, he says, where have you laid him?
Where have you laid him? Because we, we've read this story before. Chris, we know that he's about to raise Lazarus up and it's about to get awesome. Okay, we know that. They don't. Where have you laid him? What, what does that have to do with anything? Because wherever there's a laid down life, revival is unstoppable. Look all over Scripture. When they laid Elisha in the tomb and then they threw the Midianite raider onto him, he was revived. Jesus went into the room in Mark chapter 5 to where the girl was laying and everybody said she was dead, and he brought her back. Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, visited, as pastor preached this Sunday, visited Nain, the city of Nain, and he saw a funeral possession, and he saw a young man laying in a casket. And he brought him to life. You say, okay, that, that's physical death. But spiritually, when we begin to lay down our lives, revival becomes unstoppable. The reason you're tired, the reason the weariness is coming is because your flesh is coming off of you. Your flesh is warring against your spirit and your spirit wants revival. Your spirit prays with authority and power. Your spirit desires to see something more than it's ever seen before and to experience something it's never experienced before. But your flesh is saying, I'm tired. I'm sick of this. I'm weary of this. He said, but when you lay that flesh down, revival has been set up. Revival has been set up. So we go on in this story. Jesus tells them in verse 40, I said not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, that's that word again, if thou wouldest believe that thou shalt see the glory of God. Do you still believe that we can see the glory of God? Do you still believe that we can see revival? Do we still believe that God's not done with us? And Jesus in verse 41 and verse 42 began to pray. See, he returned to praise. He returned to Judah, but now he's returning to prayer. Prayed and he said, God, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. Now it's time to do what he told his disciples he was going to do. It's time to wake him up. Awakening is still possible. And he begins to call Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Comes forth and they Loose him and they let him go. We read on in this passage and the politicians are mad again. Because revival is taking place. Young people, 
never think, never think that it's over. Never think that all hope is lost. Because God says it's good for you to be here. I know you. I see you. He came to where Lazarus was laying and raised him up. There comes the music. hear me say this all the time but the church is not to allow the culture of the world to dictate to them the church should be dictating to the culture how it should live church I've, I've seen our world's culture it's wicked I have seen now, I haven't, I, I haven't I don't have all these years of experience in ministry, but I, I know men and young men and young women that have been taken from the ministry with a call on, of God on their lives because they got so consumed with the things of this world. Jesus fought against the politics and the policies of this world. He said, I'm going to go back when they tell me not to go back. I'm going to bring revival when they don't want revival. Because this world would love nothing. And I'm telling you, the liberal ideology, you know, ideology, whatever, you know, ideas. What they... What they think of the church is is terrible. On their agenda is to pass laws to say that I couldn't preach on some of the material that I covered tonight. That's on their agenda, okay. We we know that. You say, well, you're being political and you're saying revival's not political. No, I'm just saying that they can dictate to men and women of God all they want to. They made, in the Roman Empire, they made Christianity illegal. You couldn't speak the name of Christ, profess the name of Christ, share the name of Christ, pray in the name of Christ, wear a cross, nothing. And the church thrived. Why? Because it doesn't matter. They said, oh, you can kill two million of us if you want to. Christianity is still the largest religion in the world today. Why? Because men and women of God realized, even in the hardest times, that it's good for me to be here. Because revival is not political. Revival is all about faith. That's all I have is faith. I haven't felt nothing. You say, I haven't felt nothing in months, but you have faith. You say, I feel like everyone feels a touch of the Lord, but I don't. But you have faith. The enemy has always tried to combat 
God's plan. The Egyptians tried to bind up the Hebrew children, but yet they multiplied. Jericho built such big walls that they thought that it was impenetrable. But yet the people of God began to praise and sing praises to God and the walls fell down. The Midianite people came into the land of Israel for seven years and had the the children of God so afraid that they lived in caves. But they didn't realize that God was turning a man by the name of Gideon from a coward into a, a man of courage. The enemy has a plan, but know this, that God's plan is greater than anything that the enemy could ever use to bind you up. That's why the psalmist said, he understood the phrase that Jesus said, it's good for you to be here. It's good that I was not there. Why? Because the psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. He goes on to say, you've even prepared. You have prepared me to be in the presence and the place of my enemies but you have anointed me with oil and my cup overrun what he's saying is you could be going through hell but hell can't have you because you're anointed To relate it to our text tonight, you could, your, your life could be in turmoil on the physical and this world could be falling apart, but the people of God are still anointed and appointed to do the will of God. If you stand with me, this is where I really want to encourage you. Bible tells us not to be weary in well-doing. We've heard it preached many different times over the last few months. And it's so true because weariness is so easy to creep in. It, it, I mean, it is not hard to get tired. When you're slinging this weight around all day, it is not hard to get, to get hot and tired. It's easy to be weary right now because, guys, your world on the physical, I mean, you were in college, Jaden, and then now you're at home, and then, I mean, the world has no rhythm to it, has no way to it. We're, we're, people, of, we're, we're people of routine, we're people of habit, and, and we have none right now. And I'm sure in this time, Young people especially, because we have these things called phones and we get on there and we, we watch, we look at Twitter and we watch YouTube and we get on Facebook and we get on Instagram. I'm sure the enemy has come in and tried to destroy your mind and wreck your life. And maybe some of you have stumbled. Maybe some of you feel as if you failed God in the last few weeks. 
Listen. Failure to the people of God is not final because we have this thing called repentance and grace. Micah said this, chapter 7 and verse 8. I love this portion of Scripture. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, Jaden, he didn't say if I fall. When I fall, I will fall. I am human. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. tiredness, the weariness setting in like never before. But I don't know about you in the last few weeks just being back in the house of God, being back with everybody. I, 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 the, the portion of Scripture, I pray it. Brandy, I pray it. Almost every time I come into this house to pray, I pray, God, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. What is that saying? What does that verse in Philippians tell? What he's saying is, I want to know what revival is. A politician put Jesus to death. But the cross couldn't defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. The politicians couldn't rule over him. And sin couldn't overcome him. Because he laid down his life, revival was inevitable. You're in this place where it's hard, but have faith, believe, continue to push away the things of the flesh, continue to push away the things of this world. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. You say, what does that have to do with anything? We need souls. He's coming back for a glorious church, and there's no glorious church without the glory, which tells me there's no glory without the people of God, the remnant of God, getting a hold of revival. In Matthew 25, we read the story of the ten virgins. And this is a story about the church and Jesus coming back. Five wise, five foolish. Anybody heard this story? Five wise. Five foolish virgins. They take their lamps. Five wise take an extra oil, extra container of oil. And I know, I know you've heard this many different ways, but the Lord revealed this to me in, in, in a new way. And I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to pray. Five wise, five foolish. Five wise have, the five wise has, has an extra container of oil. They go out. And the bridegroom, Tracy, the bridegroom doesn't show up when they think he will. Kind of sounds like our story. Mary and Martha, where have you been? Jesus telling the disciples, hey, it's good that I did not come. Five wise, five foolish. They represent the church. Pure virgins, a pure, pure church. Garrett, all ten fall asleep. The wise and the foolish. All ten, Sarah, they all fall asleep. And you think that the, the wise ones wouldn't fall asleep, you know, because the... But what the Lord began to speak to me, Sister Terry, is He's saying, the remnant and the church world, they've all fallen asleep. 
until this year. And he said, now, you know, COVID hits, ah, we get rattled a little bit. We get told to stay at home, we get rattled a little more. Politics get crazy, we get rattled a little more. God is trying to wake us up. And the Bible says that at midnight, the call went forth, the bridegroom cometh. And they all woke up. Okay, so they all went to sleep, they all woke up. I'm still trying in my mind to distinguish the difference. And the Lord began to speak to me, Brother Chris, and he said, and it was so simple, but it just blew my mind. He said, the five wise represent my remnant church. Because even when the journey grows weary and they get tired and they fall asleep, when they come awake, they have something that the other five don't have. To put it in and, and to, to, to just real life terms, they had a little extra in the tank. They stopped at the gas station a little before the rest. They filled up a little more. You see, the remnant were the people of God that stored their treasures in heaven, not in this earth. That, that the, 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 the remnant of God were the people, the, the five wise virgins were the, were the ones that said, God, I, I, I want your anointing, I want your power, I want less of me, I want more of you. They were ones that cleansed themselves, that purified themselves. And because they had the extra oil, that tells us that they prepared themselves. God wanted me to encourage, especially young people tonight, you know I'm drawn to young people, but to everybody in this house. He said, this is a house. This is a remnant house. There are people of God that may feel tired. But he said, you're awakening. And you, you, may, you, you, you say, I'm, I'm awakening. I believe that God wants to do something. But I still feel the tiredness. I, I still feel like I'm not fully awakened. Like the body of Christ is not fully awakened. And he said, it's okay that you feel this way. It's okay for you to be here. Because I put something in you that will take you further than everyone else that say, well, I profess this. I profess that. He said, it'll take you further because you've lived it and when everybody else is running out when everybody else can't go on God said you still got something left young people you feel tired you feel broken you don't know what this year's going to hold you don't know what next year's going to hold he said you still have something left You still have something left. Let me tell you tonight. The bridegroom's coming. And I want him to place something inside of me. It's going to take me all the way. I don't, I don't, I don't need free college I don't need free health care. I don't need all this free, free, free stuff because it's really not free. What I need is freedom from my flesh. Freedom from my doubts. Freedom from the thoughts of, you know, we, we tend to freak out when we don't understand. God said, have faith. That's all that's left. 
Whatever your flesh tries to put on you, know that God is giving you the opposite. He give, the flesh gives you fear. God gives you faith. So if you're in this house and you say, I just feel like I have been beat up, tore up. I feel wore out. Physically, spiritually. He said, I didn't know why I felt this way. Because it's good for you to be here. All that's left is faith. All that's left is there to believe. You've got something left. Carly, you've got something left. You feel depleted, but you've got something left. You don't understand what your family's going through, but you've got something left. You've got something left. God is a God of what's left. He multiplied the five loaves into two fishes, and they took up what was left. David was the son that was left out in the field. Moses was the man that left Egypt. He's the God of what's left. You say, I have no strength. I, I feel like I can barely go on. If you say barely, that means you've got something left. Church, I want revival. I want to see Lazarus come forth. I want to see awakening. Just know that you have something left. So if you're here, tired, wearied in body and spirit, I want you to come around these altars. strength you need isn't in the politician you like. It's in Jesus. The peace you need isn't in your paycheck. It's in your Savior. We so often are so guilty of looking everywhere else before looking in our faith. So come come tonight. I really feel young people, many of you have been battling. Me and Sierra have been decreeing and declaring. You come. You come. God's bringing victory. He's turning ashes into beauty. He's turning your night into morning. Your sorrow into rejoicing. God of what's left. Can't go on, preacher. I feel like I can't go on. There's something left in you. If you're standing tonight, raise your hands across this house. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to call out to God. God, there's a war going on. There's a battle going on even now, Father. I can feel the resistance. The enemy's holding somebody back right now. Enemy's clawing at somebody right now. Enemy's been eating at you all week. You'll never get out of this, he says. You'll never break away from this, he says. Someone needs to rise up and say, I'm one of the people of God that's got something left.
There's still an anointing on my life. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. God, I call out to you, Jesus. I call out to you. I don't know what it is, God. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking too much time. But God, I, there's something. There is, there's such a resistance. There's such weariness. Oh, there's such a burden on somebody's life tonight. I feel as if there's no hope. Ready to throw in the towel. Jesus, I stand and declare it's good for us to be here. All that's left is faith. If you just find yourselves a place to pray, church, whether that's standing, whether that's at these altars, you do it. Find yourself a young person to pray for tonight. I want revival. I want things to change, God. I want things to be different in my life. I can't go on like this. I, I know Thanksgiving's coming and many are distracted. God, I, I don't want to get caught up in all that. We're overcomers, Jesus. Hallelujah. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Ron, just coming on to say thank you for joining us today. I do pray that we was a blessing to you. And I invite you to continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please do that. Uh, we would be appreciative of that. But just thank you for joining us today. I do pray that the blessings of the Lord would be upon you and yours. God bless you.